Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. And today I am with artist and one of my favorite people in the world, Carol Bass. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. Carol, you just got back to Maine not too long ago. I am so excited to be back in Maine. It's where I'm supposed to be, and um, I'm just loving it. As e- What does E.B. White say? I'd rather have a bad day in Maine than a good day anywhere else. Yes. Have you heard? Oh, I just love it. Yes, that's true. Beautiful. So where did you detour to while you were waiting to come back to Maine? Well, I thought that I had a cousin in South Carolina, and that's where I grew up. That's where I was born. And she came up to Maine, and she said, Carol, you need to come back home. We miss you, and we all love you. And so I said, okay, I'll come back home. But it didn't work. So... We came back after we were there for almost 13 years. Um, that was way too long to be away from Maine. For the first few years, it was all new, and and I made a pile of friends, and I loved it, and I had my old family friends there, and it was great, but not home. It's not home. So we came back. Yeah. What did you learn about home? How would you define it? About Maine, about being home. Well, your heart, your heart really feels like it's in the right place. Your heart will tell you, and your soul, yeah, will tell you where you're supposed to be. If you listen, listen. So, um, yeah, I had, uh, I had a lot of um, women friends who were into yoga and meditation, and we met twice a week, sometimes three times a week, um, and we did that for... I don't know, three or four years, and then something was missing. So we need to come home. How did you give yourself the space to listen to that um, request from your soul? I think you, well, I, I think I did a lot of meditation, a lot of sitting still, um, and looking at the marsh. We were right on the marsh. And just really listening, listening, listening and watching the trees and the birds. I'm trying to think if there was one particular thing that said, okay, we're out of here. We're back to Maine. But I I think it was a lot of little things. I think it was mostly the people that I was missing, the Maine people, Maine people. And I... I know people are the same everywhere, but there's something special about Maine people. And I can't put my finger on it. It's magical. So I know that in South Carolina, where we were, we were on a place called Edisto Island. Um, and there were only two places to go. You had to go to the, you had to go to this outdoor market that's one place and then um and then the old post office for dinner and then there was no place to go um and then there was botany bay we went to botany bay but um maine is just a constant adventure everywhere i mean everybody knows this right (laughs) this is nothing new yeah so when did you first come to maine when well, um, I, was, I went to the, the University of Georgia, and I had a friend, Becky Dillard, 
whose father was a doctor in Columbia, South Carolina. And when we graduated, he said, you girls need to get in the car and drive to Maine. He said, the, I went up to Booth Bay Harbor one time, and you've got to go see it. So four of us got in the car, drove to Booth Bay Harbor, and got out and went up and down the streets. And we went into, um, we went into a gift shop there. I can't remember. And, and the person said, oh, you've got to go to Northeast Harbor. You've got to go up there. You'll all get jobs. This was in 1970. So we all drove up to Northeast Harbor. All of us got jobs. We stayed that summer. Then we came back the next, next summer. I went to Charleston and taught art and then came back to Maine. So I kept going back and forth for a while until I realized that I had to stay in Maine. So... Yeah. You've lived in different parts of Maine as well. I have li- I've li- lived, yeah, in West Central Maine, in um, Northeast Harbor, um, and in Falmouth, Yarmouth. Um, and now I'm in Pownall, and it is, um, it's just so beautiful. I just feel like I'm walking through miracles all the time. It's really hard to function, um, to actually get any work done. <laughs> so... I'm so lucky that I can paint um, because I'm, I'm most of the time always in awe and wonder at how beautiful it is. And um, I've decided that there's nothing wrong with being joyous all the time. Um, and so that's it. That's just the way I feel. No, I'm just lucky to be here. Thank you. You you are a very joyous person. Yeah, I always have been. Yes, you have. I think I, they used to call me a Pollyanna and when I was in grade school and whatever. But it's true. It's just the way I've always been. So, yeah. Tell me about this piece behind us. Um, well, you know, I, I was thinking that maybe you might ask me some question like that. Um and so uh, it's like jazz. I think of it as, as my painting is like jazz. Um, and that um, I don't think. I don't think about it. I don't plan it. I just do it. There's uh, the paintbrush there and the, lots of paint over here. And I get the paint. I don't even look at the paint. Sometimes I just will pick a color out and put it there and just start painting. And then the next thing and the next thing. So it's not a planned thing. And I think the immediacy of it is kind of what I'm after. Um, I think that uh, one thing that's always turned me on is um, I know something. I know a little story. I want to tell you a sideways story. When I was here on Little John many years ago, I used to ride my bike down to the end of the island, and I went off on a dirt road, and I... I laid down, I stopped and laid down the grass and watched the blue jays flying up above me. And then I walked out, and as I walked out this road, there was a fox that came up over the ditch with a bluebird in his mouth. And the fox stared at me, and we stared at each other for a few moments. And that has stayed with me all along, that instant right there. Um... And I think that's what I'm trying to get is that, that point right there. 
So, and I think that if, if it was planned, if I had to plan something, um, the immediacy would be taken out of it. So, the spontaneity. So, I think that's what I'm trying to do. <clears throat> and I'm trying to make um, the shapes uh, speak. A shape speak. So looking at the shapes on this piece, what are they saying? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, they're, uh, and it's kind of hard to, well, it's very easy, actually, to come up with a name for things. Like, I look at this and I, um, I mean, it's obviously a heart. A lot of people will think it's a heart, but it's a heart. It's a lake, a pond in the middle of a river. So I think I named it that, the pond in the middle of the river. Um, but I also use, I like, like to use art paper, collage, and then the oil pastels. So, um, and again, I have the art paper over here, the oil pastels, and I just reach for them. I don't really think. I just, and then whatever comes up. And I do think it's a lot like jazz. And I always have music on. I have jazz on. Um, and I have um, one of my favorite artists is, right, that I'm listening to now is Keb Mo. Do you know Keb Mo? I do. Oh, my gosh, I love it. So um, that really turns me on and gets me going. Um, yeah. I've seen over the years your style evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think the pieces that I've seen previously haven't had as much of this paper in them, this mm -hmm. additional texture added to it. I think if you if you if you're an artist and you are having trouble getting going or getting inspired, you can go to artists and craftsmen and and go to <clears throat> the paper aisle, the artist paper aisle, pick out your favorite papers, take them home, and start tearing them up and throwing them on the paper or canvas, and that will get you going. It will get you going to see those colors and shapes, and then um, you just play with those. So that's... And now I'm even getting simpler than this. Um, and just just a, sh a few shapes now. I'm going toward just a few shapes because they say so much. Um, yeah. When I've, um, when you and I have talked in the past, and I should say that you actually had me come to your house when you lived on Little John, and you were teaching me how to paint. And you did some abstract painting. And I did some yeah. abstract paintings. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to me because the process was a layering and subtracting mm -hmm. process. We would add color, and then we would sand some of it away, and then we'd add more but for you, you were always encouraging me to, well, you're not done. Keep adding. Keep adding. And I, I've asked this question before of artists about when you know how or when to stop. How do you know? I think that um, you're, there's a voice inside you that, that says, that's it. No more. Or a little more. Um, and now it's telling me to... Um, the color and the shapes say so much. You don't need to do much more. Um, and so I have evolved. 
And I know I always used to, in my younger years, think about, oh, they would say mature artists, you know. And I thought, what does that mean? And I think maybe I'm approaching that. It's taken a long time. It's taken 50 years to kind of get that way. But I think maybe I'm seeing something, or maybe not. I don't know. I I think I know some things, and then I think I know nothing. And um, I'm thinking now that the nothingness is kind of a wonderful thing. I know nothing. And that's really great when you think you know nothing from when you thought you knew everything. So I don't know if that makes sense, but... Well, it's very Zen. That's a very Zen idea. Yeah. And that does come back to the, the almost peeling away of um, ideas, of experiences, of acknowledging that you've lived a life, but also that you don't have to be locked into what you've seen or what you've learned. I think some of the most wonderful things that I've seen are from people that, have, that I've worked with that don't, haven't taken any art courses or anything, and they have an immediacy in their work, and they, and they don't think. They cannot think and just paint, and it's wonderful. I think it gets back to wanting to paint like a child, um, wanting to be like a child, but with the wisdom that hopefully you've gained a little bit of wisdom now. So that's what I think I want to keep doing is painting like a child. Like my, I think I mentioned Cy Twombly to you. I just adore his work. And, and um, because it's very childlike and there's just so much to be said for that, um, that innocence. But yeah. And that, again, goes back to something very philosophical, that that idea of the beginner's mind Mm -hmm. and always having that beginner's mind, Mm -hmm. even as you progress. So could it be that being someone who is mature actually is someone who has reached that state of understanding the importance of that? Maybe. I I think you're right. I think think we're trying to create a story, our life story. We're trying to create some kind of story about us and um, then you, I think I'm at the point now where I want to get rid of all the stories, all those stories. <laughs> um, and you just don't need the stories. All you need to do is just be, is just be. Yeah, I think you're right about the Zen thing. Well, that's an important thing that you're bringing up, this idea that um Narratives can be very useful for a time mm-hmm. if, if they help us. To get us going. To get us going. Through life, yes. But then at some point, a narrative can lock us into mm-hmm. a place that we don't belong mm-hmm. anymore. You know, I don't know. Deepak Chopra is one of, my, <laughs> one of my people I listen to. I listen to many gurus and... Um, and he says, yes, we've all created these stories since time began. And I remember some poet um, that said we should forget everything, everything that we have ever known, 
Even the Egyptians, what the Egyptians taught us, just forget it and just start, start where you are. So I'm really happy to be here. Um, I have this, uh, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm happy to have you here because I, I think you and I have actually, our lives have touched at very mm -hmm. interesting and important points mm -hmm. along many years. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons you're one of my favorite people because um, the t those touch points have been important places for me. And you remind me of different aspects of myself from along the way. Do you have people like that in your life? Oh, sure, I have so many, but you're going to ask me, and now I can't think of any of them. <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping you'd say Bob, but I guess he's with you all the time, right? He's, yeah, we, we, we have a good time working together, yes. Um, yes, I, well, I, I have a wonderful friend that I first knew when I came to Maine, Peggy Hoskins up on, in Wilton. And um, we actually drove up to see the leaves up there the other day. And Peggy was at her old house. And so we stopped in, and we just had a marvelous time. And um, it was like we had always been together. And so she's definitely one. Then I have um, Sue Gary, who has always been there. And just so many people. Yeah, so many. Oh, Tom Higgins, who's an incredible artist from, well, he was at, Farmington, University of Maine at Farmington, and he was very special in my life. Um, and, um, um, oh, there was a professor at uh, USM that I can't remember his name. Um, but, yeah, uh, many people have been my mentors in Maine, mostly, I think. So I wonder if... Um if it's almost like when you listen to a piece of music and it reminds you of a, a place in your life that you once were, I wonder sometimes if we get together with some of these important people, if it reminds us of a place in our lives that we once were in and simultaneously who we once were and now who we are. Yeah, it's, it's, it does. It, and it used to do that more, say, ten, 10 years ago when I was in my maybe 60s. Right now... I'm I'm feel like I just want to be here. I don't really kind of want to remember anything because I want to start today, today, right today. Um and I've always um I was never a, a history buff or interested in history. It was always contemporary um English whatever I'm reading a contemporary story because I want to be right here right now. Um, so I'm sure that I will leave here and think about millions of things that I could have said, <laughs> but yeah. So tell me about your children. My children. My children are simply incredible. I am, I just am in awe of them. My son, Sam is in Boulder. And um, he's the funniest person in the world, uh, and he has a beautiful family. 
And then my daughter, Hannah, is in Brunswick. I'm lucky that she's right here in Maine. And uh, she's wonderful. She works for uh, Chinbro. She, um, then I have Molly, who's in Connecticut, who married a sculptor and teaches at um, Choate. And so I just have, um, and then I have a, a granddaughter, Ruby, but I have just incredible family members. Um, so I'm really lucky, very lucky. Do you think that having a parent who is an artist in any way influenced your children as they were growing up to approach life differently than perhaps having a parent who does something more traditional? I I think they have a I think they have a lot of fun. Um and I think they have a great sense of humor and a great love of life. And I um, think that we did a lot of things. We climbed mountains and we skied every week. We were always out in the open. And I think that makes a difference. Um, I think we were very, very lucky um, uh, to, be in the, in, to be in the beauty of Maine. So, And I thought... I thought when I had children in Maine, I thought, this is great. They'll never leave Maine, you know. But And then so Sam's in Colorado. I think a lot of people go back and forth from Maine to Colorado and whatever. But, uh, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I think they, they might end up in Maine. It's just got this, this beautiful pull on you. What does Ruby think of Maine? Oh, she loves it. She loves it. She loves Booth Bay and... Yeah, she loves it. As as you've come back to Maine and you you left and you left Little John, that's where you had mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. here on this island, and now you're inland in Pownall. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious decision to go away well, from the coast? No, it was not. Nothing I do is a is a conscious decision. Um, and Bob can tell you that. No, we were had moved, has sold our house on Edisto Island, and it was the end of May, and we're packed up, and we're driving to Maine, and I'm looking for places to buy in Maine, and Bob is driving, I'm looking on the phone, and I see this land out in Pownall. Never, I never been to Pownall, um, and uh, it was in a pasture, and I said, we need to buy this, <laughs> we need to buy this. So I called Brenda Whitney, who's here on the island, and she um, got in touch with the, the realtor there. And um, I said, you need to go see this, Brenda, please. She went to see it. She says, beautiful, Carol, let's get it. You need to get it. So um, and I think thinking about this in retrospect, the traffic that is on the coast of Maine now is very impressive. And there's not that much traffic in Pownall. It's pretty quiet. And uh, I'm in a pasture, and I can see the entire sky. I can see the moon rise and the sunset and the sunrise. And, the, and it's just, um, I'm just floored. That's so beautiful. Um, and uh, so, no, I am not s- sorry to not be on the coast. And now we get to drive to the coast in the off-season. Um, so, Yeah. I think it's okay. It's all right. I think I could be almost anywhere in Maine, and it would be all right. 
I think so. Well, I, I think what you're describing is very true. It's that their main is so varied in its um, topography that you can be in one place and it's beautiful for one reason and be in a different place not too long after that and it's beautiful for a different reason. I love the store. I love the, the stories of the people driving around through small towns and we were driving yesterday and there's a just a cute little tiny house and it's sitting it's this far from the road and it has the chairs on the front porch and the, they're just you know it doesn't matter it's the people it's the people you mentioned the people before and 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 yet you weren't able to quite put a descriptor around. I, can't. I don't think I can do it. And I think it's okay. And that's a mystery. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's all right. That's what turns me on and um, is the mystery. And that's why I have to paint. I think that's why I have to paint. Because it, it bubbles up inside of you. You have so much emotion um, that it has to come out somewhere. And um, so it comes out in, in painting. And I could do, if I had known all this, I could have worked on giant sculptures and huge things. I love sculpture and I love um, chainsawing wood and things like that. But, but now I'm just, I'm thinking that I'm doing my small paintings and as soon as things settle down with this house that we built, that maybe I'll get back to my large paintings. And I hope to do that because I hope to have them at the Portland Art Gallery, some big paintings. So anyway, but I'm so excited to be a part of the Portland Art Gallery. It really is inspirational. Oh, turns me on. Thank you. Well, tell me about that. Why the Portland Art Gallery? You could have chosen any gallery in Maine. Well, I... <laughs> I don't, I, I, because, because Kevin Thomas called me <laughs> and said, okay. And I said, well, why not? It's time. And I had been, we had been renting a place in Harpsville for a year while our house was being built. And I had painted there and I had so many paintings that I couldn't even walk around the house. And Kevin called at that time. And I, I thought, wow, this is great. Great timing. I have a ton of paintings. Let's get something going here. So. so you had a lot of paintings that you had created up in Harpswell, and you decided to affiliate yourself with the Portland Art Gallery. And it makes me wonder, was there something that at that moment caused you to want to touch base against, again with this, with this artist community in Maine? Well, um, I know several people at the Portland Art Gallery are people that I, my friends, and that I admire, and I thought, well, this is a, this would be a good place. It's a, this would be a good home, um, because I would like to be around these people, because I, I think the connections um, of the people also turn me on. I think it's so important to have connection and whatever and a family, and that was very important. Um, and uh, just coming home to these people was very nice. It was very welcoming. Um, and I was kind of worried. I was kind of worried about coming back to Maine. Um, you know, what am I going to do? Or 
But I think that's the adventure. Life is an adventure. So anyway. You and I had a mutual acquaintance many years ago, Lori Hadlock, the oh, artist. Yes, Lori. I want to start crying. Well, I mean the I was always really impressed with Lori because she had an illness that she pushed through and she kept painting and she kept painting and creating beauty in a time that obviously was very difficult for her and for her family. Do you see that this is something that artists often do is create a space of beauty in a life that might not be feeling so beautiful? Oh, I think so. I think that, well, I was diagnosed with MS in 2002. And I know um, Parker Hedlock, Lori's husband, called me, I don't know, it was about maybe 10 years after or five years after, and, and, and he was so distraught that um, Laurie had this. Uh, and uh, so I kept in close touch with Laurie. Um, and she, yeah, she just plugged on through. And I, and I, I, I talked to her a lot, all the time, um, and telling her that what I'm doing, and can she help me? Can she be with me? Like, I'm plugging through this MS, and I'm, I'm stomping through it, and I'm thinking that, okay, I'm taking back this power. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the future is, but I know that if I can keep on painting, I can keep on going. So, yeah, I know it was a struggle for her. I know it was a, a very much a struggle. We used to talk all the time on the phone when I was in South Carolina um, and draw for each other back and forth. Um, so we really inspired each other all along, all along. She was a great gal. Such a great smile and presence. Yeah. Does having had that diagnosis um, given to you, does that create this need or want to remain in the present? Yes, I think so. Um, I think... Definitely. I think that I feel like I'm, uh, I'll tell Bob sometimes that I'm, Bob, I feel like I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die tomorrow. He said, Carol, we're all going to die, but I think I'm going to die tomorrow because my body is feeling so horrible. I can't function. And, um, and then I start painting and I forget it. I forget about how I feel. I start painting, and I know when I start painting that um, I think I mentioned there's a it's a spiritual thing when you paint. It's a connection. It's an outright connection to God when you're painting, um, and I think people don't talk about that all the time, and I think we need to talk about that more actually um, because it's exactly. A connection to God, I, I could because there's something inside of me. I don't know what it is, but there's a there's some light, and it's a God light. It's I'm not a religious person. People say this. I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. But painting is a spiritual um, phenomenon. It is. It's a it's a real gift. It's a real gift. 
And I'm so lucky. And I think the MS um, actually made me uh, study my painting um, more deeply. Yeah, I think so. Do you think that you were connected to this godlike or this energy that you've been describing um, before you received the diagnosis? Oh, Lisa, I think that's wonderful that you asked me that because <clears throat> I know when I was, I think I was five years old. I was five years old, and my mother had just built a house in Bamberg, South Carolina. I'm on the floor. Um, looking out the window, and there's a man walking by with a cane. And I had as much empathy and compassion, and I knew it as a five-year-old, that I was, um, I was made of empathy and compassion. I felt it, and my whole body shook all over with that empathy. And I, I didn't quite know what it was, but... Over the years, um, I think I had the energy, like, um, and, and I would, I would actually shiver. And I don't know if anybody else has. I've never talked to anybody about that. I'd actually shiver like I was cold, and it was because I was so excited about the beauty of life. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and uh, yeah, it started, I think, at an early age. And I know I used to drive home from Georgia. And I would, um, I would surprise my mother at the. I would ring the doorbell, and I would surprise her on the porch, like with a, a cut off a pumpkin on my head at Halloween. You know, just to. I would do things like that, kind of crazy things, um, and um, yeah, I was kind of a cut up, <laughs> kind of a cut up. <laughs> so, but I think there's some energy. And I think um, in the past years, I always talked about what I was doing, and I was painting the vibrations. I know that Van Morrison has the song, Into the Mystic. I think that um, the mystical experience is very well and alive in me. Um, so I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. So, yes. You and Bob do very... And I should say, I'm talking about Bob Newton. Mm -hmm. You've been with Bob for... A long time. A long time now. Almost 30 years, yeah. Yeah. And you have very different approaches to your art. I also think to your to life in general, but specifically to art. And he works in wood and things that are more concrete and tangible. Obviously, paint is very concrete and tangible, but there is definitely an abstract nature to the work that you do. Do you think that's a yin-yang effect that you've experienced with one another as artists? I think it's very good. I think it's, and I think you immediately could tell if you see the writing, if he signs his name and I sign my name, you can right away, you can see um, our personalities. And, um, you know, we very rarely um, get upset with each other. Um, and we work well together, um, and I think we're, we've been very fortunate that way. Um, we're excited about being in Maine, driving around, seeing the beauty, and we have this, the same kind of interest, 
the kids, the family. So, yeah, it's been very nice being with, with him, finding him. And you also each, you have an experience in business and as a small business owner, Bob has an experience as an attorney. So you both have lived fully in the, in the world and then created your own worlds that you kind of have, have meshed at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, yes. And except right now we're trying to, um, figure out what to do next because, um, he actually sold his whole shop. He sold his whole shop, which was beautiful, and my studio. It was a beautiful down in, in uh, South Carolina. Um, and he has no, no shop. No, he sold all his tools. So we're trying to think of, well, okay, what do we do next? And I think that's a good thing to f- say, what do we do next? Um, I think I've always wanted to gather people together and um, talk about, ideas. I've wanted to do that all my life. And we did that a little while with Bill Gregory and um, a few friends there. Um, And I kind of want to get that going again. It's just talking about what's important in this life and and laughing and just being together. So we, I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. Right now I have, he's gotten two two or three huge paintings out of the shed and put them in the back porch ready for me to start painting. Um, so I, I can paint there until the snow flies. And then there are a lot of people that around, around that have barns that I can rent, rent space in for the winter. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, so we do. We work very well together. Do you yourself miss having the business that you once made very successful and then were able to? That was never, it was, yes, it was never my business. And it was, um, I I remember I was renting a studio when my former partner um, came into the studio. The first time I had finally gotten my studio and um, he said, you can't do this. We need to start a business. So we started this business, and um, and I think now I'm finally getting back to that studio that I always had a long time ago, and um, just trying to paint a painting where you feel in your heart that you get it right. It's just finally getting it right. We're weird people all these all of us humans are very weird um the things that uh make us tick and keep us going so for you main cottage was more of a detour than anything else it was a de- it was a detour yeah I, I i mean i definitely the colors um i know also when i was 5 years old i had a the color red I pressed down, my mother had kindergarten, and I pressed down on the color red, and I saw how deep and beautiful it was, and I knew that was my favorite color at five. And so um, I knew that color meant a lot to me, um, and color right out of the jar, not mixed up with anything, um, right out of the, the jar. So I always knew that. I always knew 
that I had compassion and empathy. Isn't it amazing that that you you know you have this, that you're that you're a good person. You're a really good person. I don't know how but we're reading Marcus Aurelius right now. Um and we have been off and on for a long time about everybody's born the same way, but it's the decisions that you make along the way um, that make the difference, the decisions. And there's sometimes tough decisions, but um, you got to make them. You got to make them, make them because it's your life. So enough of that, Lisa. <laughs> well, I'm learning a lot. I mean, I it, it think it's uh, what you're describing is something that many people work through in their lives is um, detouring and realizing they've come to a place that doesn't feel comfortable and then finding their way back, which is not always easy. And uh, and realizing you can't stay in the you can't stay in you can't stay in the same place. You've got to you've got to fly. You've got to fly. And that's all part of that conversation we were having earlier around narratives. And if you decide that you are going to latch on to a narrative in a way that no longer suits you, then you can't fly. Mm-hmm. True. Definitely. Carol, I'm very excited about the opportunity to um, have spent time with you today, but also continue to work with you now as an artist at the Portland Art Gallery. I'm very excited to having have you join the Portland Thank Art you. Gallery group of artists. They are really wonderful people. They, um, You can feel the energy. You can. You can, really can. You can. Through the air. Yep. yep. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Well, thank you for continuing to paint and for continuing to be my teacher. And I'm sure that you teach many people who have conversations with you in your way. So I am, I encourage people who are interested in learning more about you to go to the Portland Art Gallery to at least see your art. I guess they'll have to learn more about you by maybe connecting with you in other ways. But great, they can certainly see your art and learn about you in that way. Thank you. That's great. I've been speaking with artist Carol Bass. You can see her work at the Portland Art Gallery. We are thrilled that she is back in Maine and more to come in this next iteration of Carol Bass in Maine. Thank you, Carol. (laughs) Thank you.